Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 12. I'm your host Steve Westway. It is that time of the year, Day of Origins just around the corner, but Round 11 came and gone and didn't the North Queensland Cowboys make a huge statement, destroying the Melbourne Storm 36-6. The performance of the week in my opinion and you know, it wasn't without a heavy price for them. They're going to be without Kyle Felt and Jason Tamalolo this week. But the Cowboys just bashed the storm. Uh, obviously, Melbourne weren't at their best, and they've got a few trips returning this week. But overall, the Cowboys and the Broncos, who also had a nice win over the, North, uh, the Newcastle Knights on Thursday night, both of those teams have sent a statement they're going to be forces to reckon with for the rest of 2022. They both find themselves in the top four. Plenty to prove, and... As the season keeps going, and after this week, all 16 teams would have played 12 out of their 24 matches of the regular season in 2022. The pressure is going to get start to get louder and louder on some of these other teams that aren't performing, and some teams with some big injuries like Manly. So, you know, we're definitely in the in a big part of the season where seasons are defined uh, by this stretch and with State of Origin coming up some of these teams are going to be without some of their key players and in a moment I'm going to name my State of Origin teams for both New South Wales and Queensland for 2022 I named an early version of the side last Friday night on Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook if you haven't please like that page follow it for all the latest news regarding this podcast but I'm going to name my official predictions and, and who I think will get named for the each of the states this weekend after the action and don't forget next next week we've got round 13 but we've also got a state of origin prediction show that's going to be coming your way and it's going to feature an all-star panel both of these shows uh, of alumni from steve's nrl footy tips matt cosaru is on board i've got josh duncan coming back matt dupont's going to be on the show and there's going to even be some more surprises as we get closer to State of Origin 1 on June 8th, which I'm going to be in attendance for. I'm very excited for it. So a lot to look forward to on Steve's NRL footy tips. As I mentioned, it's really the pressure season for some of these underperforming clubs, and a lot of them have to get their season back on track and get their season back on track now if they're going to make a late push for the top eight near the back end of the season. But before I get into naming my State of Origin team, let's look at round nine, the round that was, and... Another mediocre week for my footy tips. I got five out of eight footy tips correct. I got the South Sydney Rabbitohs wrong as they got destroyed by the Canberra Raiders. My beloved Rabbitohs underperformed for sure. I tipped Melbourne to beat the Cowboys. And as I mentioned, it was a huge statement that the Cowboys made. And I went to Warriors to upset the St. George Yellow Dragons. That was a 50-50 game. It was a back and forth one. The Dragons ended up being too good for New Zealand. So, you know, I'm hoping to get back on track this weekend. Before my reinforcements, my guests arrive next week. I'm hoping to get a perfect round this week, and hopefully I can do it. Hopefully I can predict these games correctly. But as I mentioned, in round nine, some key performers, and in my team of the week this week, at fullback have gone Cody Ramsey from the St. George Oro Dragons. I don't know if fullback is his... You know, I know that it's his preferred position based on his juniors and, and coming up to the, the Dragons' first-grade team that he played a lot of fullback. I don't know if it is his best position, but he played very well there on the weekend. A try over 200 metres. The Dragons looked better with Cody Ramsey at fullback than they had with Moses Mboy. Obviously, Tyrell Sloan's been in and out of the team, but I think putting Cody Ramsey and giving you know, this kid a shot there at the back for St. George, 
is a promising sign to where Anthony Griffin's mentality is that if things aren't working there at St. George, he's willing to change it up because, as I mentioned, it's a big period of their season. They're with five wins and six losses. So whoever plays fullback for the rest of the year, you've got to be able to rely on. And I think Cody Ramsey did a standout job last Saturday afternoon. My wingers of Ruben Garrick from Manly and Selwyn Cobbo from the Broncos. Ruben Garrick scored two tries in Manly's tight defeat uh, 22 to 22, the Parramatta Eels last Friday, and we'll talk about the consequences of that loss later on the show with the huge injury to Tom Sorovich, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. But I thought Ruben Garrick was outstanding, and he's going to shift to fullback this week to cover the loss of Tommy, and it's going to be a big ask. But I think that he's in really good form, and hopefully the rest of the Manly can rally around him and a few of the other players that are really stepping up at the moment. So on Cobo from the Brisbane Broncos. What an exciting young kid he is. I think he's actually in line to get that Queensland jersey that I think Kyle felt might have vacated with his latest injury. And I'll name my teams, as I mentioned, momentarily. But Sirwan Cobo is just on another level in confidence at the moment. He's really enjoying your football. You can see that when he gets on the field. And two tries in the weekend, he was outstanding. Um, and making meters and helping his forwards out as well in that big win over Newcastle. My centers this week are Will Panasini. I thought that... Well, I think in general that Penasini's been really good in his first full season in the NRL this year, but especially defensively, I think he's really stepped up in that area. And, you know, he scored a try and, and again, some good meters out of the center position. And I think that he's been a standout for Parramatta all season. And, you know, he's certainly starting to become a fixture, a, a permanent fixture in that Parramatta lineup. Luke Garner is my other center of the week. And I know that he got named in the second row, but I have shifted him out of the centre because he seems to shift during games between centre and the second row. And, you know, we've seen him start a number of times at centre. I think he did a really good job. He was the best of the Tigers forwards in that DR affair um, against the Bulldogs on Friday night. I thought that he was the Tigers' standout, so he gets my centre spot. In the half of Gorn Jerome Luai and Nico Hines, and both of these guys are two of the performers of the week. We'll start with... Jerome Luai, and I think he is the best player that we saw in action this week. I thought he was outstanding in Penrith's win over the Roosters, and I've criticised him on this show to flowing in and out of games, but he was everywhere in that 20-point victory over the Roosters. Two tries, three offloads, five tackle breaks. He was just a danger every time he touched the ball, and, you know, while Nathan Cleary controlled the game, he was really the X factor that made the Roosters worry, and uh, worried, and he scored a lot of points, um through that tactic, through just playing his natural game and running the footy. Nico Hines was, you know, man of the match in their victory, the Sharks' victory over the Titans, 25-18 to 18 on Sunday afternoon. And it wasn't just the field goal that he kicked that wrapped that game up with a minute to go. He was he support players unreal. And when, uh, when one of the Sharks' outside backs made a break, he looked inside and who else was there but Nico Hines. And that's the effort areas that I think the Sharks have been missing over the past few years. He's just everywhere in the field. Even when the Sharks are going bad, Nico Hines is usually the best player this season. And, you know, I don't think they're playing their best friend of footy at the moment, but I think he controlled the game well. Obviously, he had a late sin win, and he gave some penalties away. But I think that when the game's on the line, you pass it to Nico, and Nico gets the job done. And I thought he was outstanding uh, on Sunday afternoon, even though the Cronulla Sharks weren't at their best against the Gold Coast Titans. My forwards and my props this week are James Fisher-Harris and Josh Rapali. Now, Fisher-Harris and Penrith scored a try. I think it was about 140 metres, 30 tackles. I think it was his best performance of the year. He really upset the Roosters forwards and really got Penrith on the on the 
right foot early in that contest. Joshua Parley from Canberra, 250th game. The Raiders just lifted when he was on the field and when he off, went off the field after his first stint when the Raiders were willing to roll that game, see how Sydney started to come back a little bit. And, you know, credit to Papali. He was very emotional in his interviews after the game saying he, you know, it was a big emotional week for him all week. But he really delivered on game day. And I think that a lot of people, including myself, you know, have considered how many years does Papali have left in the game. He's... Those legs are starting to get tired, but he just comes out and produces every week for Canberra, and you know you can tell how much he means and how much his influence has on the rest of that club. Reese Robson is my lock of the week, a try, um, 70 meters, but you know defensively, always impressive. Reese Robson, I think that he really made a difference in that big win over the Melbourne Storm, and it's what Melbourne are missing at the moment a little bit, a little bit of grittiness, um, getting in there doing the tough work. Reese Robson always does it. Um, he set up a good try, line break, line break assist. It was all there. It was a complete performance by Reese Robson on Saturday afternoon. In my second rollers, I've gone Jer- uh, Jeremiah Nenai, also from the Cowboys. Two tries. It was a great performance um, against the Storm. And as I've mentioned it so many times on this show, these promising kids from the Cowboys just keep delivering. And I said it was going to be a huge test against Melbourne's veteran forward pack. I thought the Nenai, Gilbert, and a few of these other guys did an outstanding job there for the Cowboys, especially considering that their inspirational forward leader and Jason Tavalolo went out injured early in that contest. So huge credit from the Cowboys. I was so impressed by them last Saturday night. And as I mentioned, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially if they get a home final in Townsville this year. Ryan Madison was my other second row of the week. I think he's been good uh, off the bench when he's you know come off the bench this season. But starting at loft this week, he put Nathan Brown back to the bench. I feel, think it was a good decision by Brad Arthur. Nathan Brown definitely adds a bit of an aggression or impact when he comes off of the bench. And Madison's just a hard worker, 177 metres, six offloads, 32 tackles. Really good performance by Madison. He's been in good form for the past month now. My lock of the week is Patrick Carrion. He is, him and uh, Payne Hearts have really, you know, been the forward leaders for quite some times there at the Broncos, but now with these other young stars starting to emerge in that forward pack, I think that you know it's 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 been it's really promising to see um, Carrigan come back from injury and and do his job, and I think he's just an inspirational leader there at the Brisbane Broncos. On my bench, I've got Matt Burden from the Bulldogs. I think he was the best uh, Bulldog this week, and he really tried to lift the rest of the club during that. Second half comeback. Um, Nathan Cleary for the Panthers. I think he controlled the game really well. Tom Gilbert from the Cowboys. I already mentioned he's just a, a workhorse and a power horse and really just uh, put the sword to the Melbourne Storm forwards. And Joseph Tarpany, 190 metres, 30 tackles. It was a really good performance on the back of his prop partner in Papali. He lifted with him. So that is my team of the week for round 11. We're going to get into the action for round 12 shortly. Before we do so, please remember... If you have not, subscribe to wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. We're up to about 650 likes. I am overwhelmed by the support you guys have shown me over the past three years of me doing this podcast. And as I mentioned, next week, a spectacular show. Matt Cosery, Matt Dupont, Josh Duncan, potentially some more special guests. We're going to talk about round 13, and we're going to record a State of Origin 1 special where we're going to give our first try score predictions, who's going to win, what the margin's going to be, our man of the match predictions. It's all going to be on that show, and that's going to drop the Monday before State of Origin. So check that out when it drops. But I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast this year. Continue to enjoy the podcast, and let's get a perfect round in round 12.
and the action kicks off from Amy Park on Thursday night at 7.50 when the Melbourne Storm hosts the Manly Seagulls. And man, these teams have both been going for a bit of a tough patch lately. Melbourne, two consecutive losses in a row. How often do you see that from a Melbourne Storm outfit? Craig Bellamy, you could see, was extremely frustrated in the box last Saturday afternoon when they did not show up against the North Queensland Cowboys. They have a couple of troops back on board, and most notably, Jerome Hughes comes back into the team after missing the past two weeks. He'll partner with Cameron Munster and really take the pressure off Munster, but... The Storm forward pack was just completely dominated by the Cowboys last weekend, and it's not often you see that happen, especially with how many veterans in that forward pack. But you look at the meters, and again, Bromwich and Kafusi both ran for 108 meters, but none of the other forwards you know, made over the century mark. And I mentioned it in their loss to the Penrith Panthers. That's not good enough competing against any team. And teams will make you suffer if your forward pack's not showing up in the game and you can't get momentum. But Cowboys had possession for a majority of that first half and Melbourne just couldn't swing it back to their favour. So, you know, lacking a little bit of polish. And Jerome Hughes coming back into the team this week will add that extra layer and, you know, that game management that when you put it on Cameron Munster, he can do it. But it's going to take away a bit of his X-Factor, his natural running game, his natural ability to spot gaps. It's not there when Munster has to manage the team. So it's going to be a huge inclusion, Jerome Hughes. And just to highlight it, one of my mates who's going to be on the show next week, Josh Duncan, actually posted a stat um, to me earlier today. And it was that the Storm since 2018 have won 82% of games when Jerome Hughes has been on board. They've only won 59% without him. And, you know, they're still winning more than half games without him. But they have a zero and two in the last two weeks. And, you know, Melbourne not winning, you know, 80% of their games is unheard of. So, and, and also another stat is that is Cameron Munster has only won nine out of 15 games without Jerome Hughes. While Hughes has won 14 out of 15 games without Munster. Now, I'm not suggesting that Hughes is more important to Melbourne than Cameron Munster is because Munster has been one of the best players of the game for the last 10 years. But Jerome Hughes is the perfect task combination with Munster because, as I mentioned, he just takes that pressure off, lets Munster play his natural game. So it's going to be a big boost this Thursday night against the Manly Seagulls, who, let's be honest, they, um, they've had some tough luck go against them recently. I mean, if you look at their past few weeks... They've been turning up despite losses. I mean, the only exception to that was around uh, was around ten, where you know the Broncos demolished them thirty-eight nil, and you know Tommy could barely run in that game, and they had injury concerns. But you look at around twelve, and they were in the lead for a majority of the game. They started losing troops, notably Tom Tarovich, who's dislocated his shoulder and is going to be out for the rest of the twenty twenty-two season, which is a huge blow um, for both the New South Wales Blues, who, by the way, I'm going to name my teams for both Queensland and New South Wales at the end of the podcast, but it's a huge blow to them, and it's a huge blow to Manly, and, you know, in that, so they had excuses, in the, and they had a sin bin in that, in that end result against Parramatta, Parramatta just got over the line against them, but if you even go back further than that, you go back to round nine against the CR Sydney Rabbitohs, they had Carl Lawton sent off about seven or eight minutes into that contest, and they were still winning by multiple tries and, and really put them see us to the sword early in that game. They had a 10-0 lead and they fought hard the whole 80 minutes. So there's many excuses there for Des Hasler, but mainly are in a spot now where they're out of the eight. The pressure starts to get to them. They're versing their arch rivals in the Melbourne Storm this week. Who We all know the history of the last 20 years between these two clubs, but they need a win and they need a result to go their way. George Tafil has been recalled back in the team after a long absence from first grade 
on the wing, and, and Ruben Garrick will take Tontorovic's fullback spot, but that has major repercussions. And, you know, while some people might say, well, Manly can't rely on Tontorovic anymore, they all have to be better, and it could be a positive for Manly. Losing your star players, never that. And it's going to be a tough work from them if they're going to make the finals in 2022 from this point. I think I predicted them at 7th to start the season, and I was worried about this exact situation. But they had to dig deep and, and find a way out of it. And, you know, Schuster off the bench could add a bit of X factor this week if he is fully fit. But Foran and, and Cherry Evans really have to lead this side around the park if there are any chance they're the men now. Without Tom Tarovic, they've got to be creating the opportunities on the back of their forward pack, which has been hit or miss in 2022. And they need a fire because I'm pretty sure Craig Bellamy is going to be having Melbourne ready for this contest. And has really going to be a really would have drilled them at training this week after two poor performances in a row. So I expect Melbourne to bounce back here. I think that, as I mentioned, they're going to be up for this contest. Their forward pack's not going to want to get embarrassed three weeks in a row. And, um, you know, they've still got meaning about fullback. I think he did a good job without being spectacular against the Cowboys. Um, as a, they're still missing a few troops there, but. Overall, I just think Melbourne are going to have a bit too much firepower. And while they're lacking confidence at the moment, I think that Manly are really down on luck at the moment. And they need some things to go their way if they're going to win any match at the moment. And I just don't see that going that way um, in this contest on Thursday night versus Melbourne. I think Melbourne will be at back. I think they'll show why they're still contenders for this premiership. And I've got Melbourne by 22 points to kickstart round 12. There's some huge games for footy this week, and the Friday night contest start with the Penrith Panthers going against the North Queensland Cowboys. It is a 6pm Friday night fixture, but it probably deserves a grander stage than that, because let me tell you, the Cowboys, unbelievable form at the moment. They've knocked off so many um, contenders to the competition, and you know the big scout being the Melbourne Storm last Saturday afternoon when they just dominated them. I mentioned to kick off the show, it was not without a price. Cole Felt and Jason Tamalolo both out. Um, felt out long term. I think Tamalolo is out for a few weeks, but they're going to have to do it without two of their leaders. Um, but really, their forward pack is really aimed up this year, and they're going to find no bigger challenge this week because they're going up against the Premiers, the benchmark of the competition, a team that almost seems unbeatable despite the Eagles somehow doing it a few weeks ago. Penrith are just on another level from every other team at the moment, it seems like. They were in cruise control uh, against the Roosters, and the Roosters really took it to Penrith early in that game last Saturday night. But you just see, could the Roosters hang on because the, the Panthers can maintain that quality of of footy and, and the Roosters could only keep it up for quite some time before you know Penrith started to run away with that contest near the end of the first half. And clearly just controls the game well and he's just an X factor in any outfit. But pairing him with Jerome Luai, who was outstanding last week in, in finding the gaps in the defensive line and creative opportunities, that's... Huge news for New South Wales going forward. I mean, to have these two, you know, just so in sync with each other heading into the biggest series of the year in, in rugby league, it's just, it's a godsend for New South Wales, especially with all their injury dramas at the moment. I think that Fisher-Harris played his best game last Saturday night. I think that Corsi has been outstanding this year. Kiki and Martin are doing their jobs. And Isaiah Yo, he created a try last weekend. He's just in another level in form in 2022. And... You know, I mentioned how the Cowboys got on top of the uh, Melbourne Storm forwards last week. As I mentioned, it's, a, it's even a tougher ask this week because all these Penrith forwards are in form and the likes of Robson and Cotter, they're always going to do hard work. They're always, always going to make 40 to 50 tackles in B matches. But it's on the likes of Gilbert, Nanai, 
And Cohen Hess, who comes in for, for Tamalolo to continue that level that they've played at in 2022 and upset Penrith early. The way to beat Penrith is to get Penrith off their game. And if you don't give Luai and Cleary time to make opportunities happen, that's where you can expose them. Same goes for the Panthers. They get over the top of, of the Cowboys. Deedon and Towns are not going to have time to continue their combination that they've had in 2022. One thing that I think might be a benefit, even though Kyle felt a big loss for the Cowboys, is that Drinkwater knows that he's going to be playing 80 minutes most likely this week because Hemiso, um Fado is named on the wing to take Felt's spot. So having both of those X factors on the field might actually be a benefit for the Cowboys, but I just worry uh, the Hammer and, and Talangi's defense. I think that Holmes and Hiku are going to have their work cut out for them because Targo, Croydon, Toro and May, those outside backs to the Panthers are just on another level this season. And add to that, Dylan Edwards, who's making up to 200 to 300 metres a game, they're going to be incredibly hard to stop for the North Queensland Cowboys. So it's going to be a battle. And if our Cowboys can take it to Penrith early, I think we can see a very good game of football that could go either way. But you've just got to tip Penrith based on how they continue to aim up for each other. They pretty much have all season. I know there have been a couple of weeks like that game against the Titans where they haven't completely been ready, but they'll be ready for this contest. I think they're getting better as the season goes on, which is crazy to say, but at the moment, it's Penrith and everybody else um, a long way back, and while the Cowboys, I think, are going to be up for it, and, I, and the Cowboys in 2022, every team that's beaten them have had to earn it because the Cowboys are just going to keep coming at you for 80 minutes. I just think Penrith are going to be too good uh, when it matters most, and I've got Penrith by 12 points, but I think the Cowboys are going to be in this game for a long time. The class of Penrith and the likes of Cleary and Lua, when they start getting some opportunity and some space to flow, and, and Cleary's, you know, Cleary's outstanding kicking game, I just think they're going to have a little bit too much um, after that, that initial war period between the forwards settles down a bit um, to get the Panthers over the line in this one, so Penrith by 10 for me. Friday Night Football continues from Suncorp Stadium at 7.55 when the Brisbane Broncos host the Gold Coast Titans. And usually this contest shapes up to be Big Brother versus Little Brother. The Titans, you know, have easily been the worst team in Queensland this year, but I think that they are improving. And two weeks ago, they had a good win over the Dragons. They only in the game against Trinidad last week, and their defensive performance in that first half were extremely impressive, but then they seemed to drop off after it was 6 all, and the Sharks scored a couple of uh, easy tries from some lazy Gold Coast Titans defence, and I think that, you know, while they, they had a very good 40-minute performance, the Titans have to be better all around the board, especially if they're going to compete with the Brisbane Broncos, who at the moment are just on a different level. I mean, their performance against the Knights, while the first half was a little bit scrappy, without their inspirational leader in Adam Reynolds, they still managed to get over it and, and get the job done, and they're going to be without Reynolds this week again. So Eliza Mann will play second game in the top grade at halfback. Um, I think he did a good job on debut. He wasn't perfect. He's still learning his craft, especially, you know, being his first game in the top grade. But I think he did a, a very good job, and I think the forwards really laid a platform for him again. The likes of Jenks, Jensen, Huss, uh, Capewell, and Carrigan were outstanding. So to beat this Broncos team, you've got to be in more effort, and I think that Brisbane are just... Competing every player at the moment, their outside backs have suddenly become some of the most exciting in the NRL. You look at the combination of Oates, Staggs, Farnsworth, and Cobbo. At the start of the year, we didn't think too much of it. We all knew the talent that some of these guys had, especially Tony Staggs. But they've been seeing it consistently now on a different level. And it's crazy what winning five in a row does to your confidence because they are flying at the moment. And 
as I mentioned, the Titans are going to have to be at their best to beat them. Now, they, they are definitely capable of an upset, and I think Jaden Campbell's been a, a good inclusion back at fullback. AJ Brimson still playing some good football, but the onus is really on Gold Coast forwards this week because they're versing one of the premier forward packs in the competition all of a sudden. The Titans have got plenty of young guys in there as well, but, you know, can the likes of Liu, Firma, even Big Tino, who's been good this season, Mofot away, can these guys aim up and really upset the likes of Huss, Carrigan and Jensen? I don't know if they can. I think Brisbane have a bit too much firepower for the Titans, and, you know, unfortunately for Gold Coast, they're in a spot now where they're free, they're free and eight. They pretty much need to make every game a winning game, and I just don't know if they've got the points in them. Their game management hasn't been great this season. As I mentioned, they're improving. But when you're free and eight, time's really running out for you. And I think that with Brisbane's confidence, it's not a Broncos team you want to be facing when you're trying to get a win um, on the board to try to say, save your season. So I've got Brisbane, um, just a, bit, a little bit too much class in this contest. I'll go Brisbane by 14. I think Gold Coast will aim up. I just don't think it will be enough um, to impact the end result for me so um, big big part of the season for the Titans though going into this origin season they could verse some clubs that are heavily origin affected and that could be a way where they can get some wins on the board and who knows if they can start getting some wins they could make a late rally but you know it's been a disappointing season for the Titans and they have to be better consistently and it's a tough ask against the Broncos this week it's time for my favourite time of the week. That's right, it's Super Saturday, and we have three big games of football coming your way. The action kicks off from Morton Daly Stadium up there in Redcliffe when the New Zealand Warriors host the Newcastle Knights. And, well, if you're going to skip one game of the week, this seems like a little bit of a bludger. Um, I think there's a couple other ones that are in contention, but this game... I mean, the Warriors, let's start with them. They were in the game against the Dragons last weekend, but overall, they had so many chances to ice the game, and they couldn't do it. They Welcome back, Chanel Harris-Tavita, back in number six this week, and he's announced this week that, you know, playing rugby league in first grade wasn't what he expected to be, and he's not enjoying his football as much as he should, so he's going to step away from the game, and if he feels that way, that's probably for the best, but... It's an interesting call by Nathan Brown bringing him back into number six because I thought Dajan Arcee was really providing a bit of a exciting um, kind of X-factor for the Warriors that could split the line open at will. And, um, you know, to put Harris DeVita back in with Johnson when you know one, if not both of them, with Johnson's form are going to be here after this season, I just don't see what the Warriors are building for too because... Um, you know, Johnson probably had his best performance of the year last week, but it still wasn't enough, and he needs to be better, especially defensively and, and really game management, leading his team around. I just, I'm not seeing enough from him this season, and, you know, considering Sean Johnson's history at the New Zealand Warriors, I think I expect a little bit more, and, you know, the likes of Rich Walsh, I don't think he's really gotten out of first gear yet. His defense is getting better, but I don't think he's having enough impact on matches, and, you know, some of these fraud packs, Harrison and Aiken have been good this season. So is Jazz Tavunga. They're working hard, but they're just a big forward pack and they're not very mobile and teams are taking advantage of it. They're versing a Newcastle Knights team who got to win two weeks over the Bulldogs, but haven't had much to cheer about besides that. They were in the game against the Broncos at halftime last weekend, but things like they have been all season for them went pretty wrong pretty quickly. They're without Adam Clune and Bradman Best this week. This week, the half combination is going to be Anthony Milford and Jay Clifford. We'll see how they go. I thought Milford was pretty good in his return, apart from that intercept that he threw late in the game. But 
you know, it's going to take some time for that, that combination to work. Ponga needs to be better. I, I just don't think he's providing the spark that he has in previous seasons. And I think that their fullback is getting better. I think that Clemmer and Frizzell are playing some good football. Barnett's playing good since he's come back from that big uh, suspension. And, and Chris Randall's doing his job well as well. But, you know, I just don't think Newcastle got the, the firepower at the moment. They don't have the points in them. Both of these teams don't score many points. I think it's going to be a very dour affair on Saturday afternoon. And honestly, I'm sick, about, I'm sick of talking about this game because I don't think... 2022 is going to be the season for either one of these teams. They're both down near the bottom of the ladder. Somehow the Warriors have four wins. Newcastle only got three. Um, for me, this battle is all about who can keep their season alive, but at the same time, who can be avoiding the, the wooden spoon because I think it's going to be a long season for the rest of the season for both of these clubs, and um, I don't see their fortunes changing anytime soon. This is a toss of the coin game. It's not going to be a game I'm putting any money on. I'm going to go the Knights just because I think that, as I mentioned, their forward pack starting to fire and some of these decisions from Nathan Brown, the Warriors are questionable. And I just don't see what the Warriors are building to. And at least with Newcastle, they've got Milford coming in. They've got some guys returning from injury. Um, and you never know, they can start winning some games of football. So I'm going to go the Knights by six. But really, it's a big toss of the coin game, this one. All right, moving on now. Let's move on from that free hot game because I'll really get to see our taste in my mouth. At 5.30, I'm about to dial up, I think, because at 5.30, the South Sydney Rabbitohs host the West Tigers, and speaking of teams that are not performing to their potential, you look at both South Sydney and you look at the West Tigers. Now, the Tigers got a win last week, and, you know, in their resurgent, they beat South Sydney, they beat Parramatta as well, but, you know, I'm just not, I'm not seeing, I know that Luke Brooks was there, I know they've had some excuses, but I just feel like the Tigers are going backwards in terms of performances. They just let the Bulldogs come straight back at them in that second half, and if they were versing anyone except the Bulldogs last week, I think they would have lost that game. They just, I don't know, they send the clock in and out of games, their forward pack's not doing it for me, Hastings isn't getting much support there in the half, I thought Madden was good, but... I just, again, like Newcastle, I just, uh, like the Warriors, sorry, I just don't know what they're building towards. And like Newcastle, I just don't think they've got many points in them, much firepower. I know they scored 30 last week, but that was against the Bulldogs. If you can't score 30 against the Bulldogs, you may as well be kicked out of the comp at this point, because that's how bad Canterbury have been going. So, you know, I mean, there's not much to say there at the Tigers. I think it's going to be a long rest of the season. I think that this will be like Michael McGuire's last season in the NRL, and you know, some of these forwards are showing up. Sometimes they do show up, but you just never know when it is from the Tigers. And it's it's disappointing because, again, they're one of these teams just like a couple of the others that are three wins and eight losses. South Sydney, uh, uh, who are really disappointing me at the moment. I'm a beloved South Sydney fan, and they have been terrible the last few weeks. That game against the Warriors, it looked like everything came together in the first half. Then it was disaster in the second half. They almost lost that game. Last week against the Raiders, I headed into the game thinking, well, this is this is it. This is the, well, the Rabbitohs are really going to show up here, kickstart their season. There's going to be a lot of effort. I know that they're without a few like Murray and, and Latrell, which is you know two of their key players, but I thought that this was the day, 2 o'clock Sunday footy, perfect conditions that they're going to show up in Dubbo, make a big statement. But they did the, exactly the opposite. Their defense wasn't there. Um, their forward pack got dominated by the likes of Tarpanay and Papali. Cody Walker and Ilias. Every time South Sydney got down the Raiders end, and they did quite a bit, it was just the wrong option in terms of game management, in terms of putting pressure on the defenders. 
Cody Walker's playing with no confidence, and you know he was good in that game against the Warriors uh, two weeks ago, but that's about all we've seen from him over the past month. He is just a man that's playing without any sort of direction at the moment, and you know, put the captain on his back and, and the performances he's dishing out at the moment, it's simply not good enough. And I'm a Cody Walker fan, but obviously, without Reynolds, that intercept pass in the grand final, it has not been Cody Walker's year. The pressure's on him to step up, and Lachlan Ilias... I like the kid. I think he's going to have a promising NRL career, but he is not NRL ready right now, especially in the right mindset 11 rounds in. I think he needs a, a stint on the sideline. I think he needs a bit of a freshen up, maybe go back to the lower grades, get some more confidence because I don't think his game management's been up to scrap. I mean, you've got options in Nicarima, who was probably Tia's most, um, you know, exciting player to launch last week in terms of you know he almost made things happen you can you got options there you can put taff into half and, and then figure out the fullback but something needs to change for the south sydney side and naming the same team which is basically what they've done this week isn't doing it i mean kim murray hasn't been named in the 17 there's big reports that he's going to return this week so he's going to be a n- massive boost for south but man uh, I think Campbell Graham was outstanding. I think he should, you know, definitely be in the mix for New South Wales. He was great last week. But overall, this... T- and Damien Cook, you know, Seas needed him. He stepped up, but he can't do it all alone. I'm just so disappointed by this Rabbitohs team in 2022. I know that, you know, that green final loss was a tough one, and they lost a lot of players. Sewer, Gagai, Reynolds, obviously the big one. Mike Bennett left the club. But this is not South Sydney standard, um, you know, for such a pre-ed club. This is not the performances you want to be dishing out because I can accuse a lot of the players that were out there last week of lacking effort and South Sydney side should not be lacking effort. If, if they lose, they should be losing because the better team beat them on the day, not because... And, and I'm not saying the Canberra weren't the better team because obviously they were, but South have just... They fell into... They fell asleep, it looked like. Went back in their shells and just let Canberra walk all over them and... You know, the South Sydney teams we've seen in the last 10 years don't do that. And for such a proud club, they've got to be better consistently. So I cannot express my disappointment from South Sydney's performance last week and the week before. They need to get it right. They need to improve. Somehow we've named Walker and Ilias again. I don't know why. I really think that needs to change if South Sydney are going to be successful. And I, I think we find ourselves in a situation where, again, it's a toss-of-the-coin game. South Sydney should be winning this game of football, but the South Sydney that we've seen over the past month, can they win this game of football? I'm not sure. And this is coming from a South Sydney fan that's sick of these mediocre performances that I'm seeing every week. They need to be better. And, you know, if they can't kick-start their season this week and get back to six wins, six losses, then their top eight position is under in jeopardy. In fact, I'm going to say, if South Sydney don't win this game against the Tigers this week, they won't make the top eight. So that's how important I think this game is. Latrell's not back for a while. Cam Murray might be back this week, but he's going to go back into origin camp. So, you know, no excuses. They have to be better. They have to be better now and not wait for their recruitments. I think that South will win. I think they'll win by four points, but man... I'm coming into that with no confidence since we know what happened last time. The Tigers really dominated CFs and end up winning uh, via a field goal late. So, big game for South Sydney this week and they need to be better. You're at the 7.35. Game kicks off from Point Bet Stadium when the Cronulla Sharks host the Sydney Roosters. And, man, this is a tough game to tip. The Cronulla haven't been playing great football. They got the win over the Gold Coast Titans last week. But, 
Overall, they've been disappointing the last few weeks for sure. They're versing a Sydney Roosters team that were in the fight early against Penrith and, you know, if things just went wrong. They just couldn't match the intensity that Penrith had and, and that's what happens when you verse the Premier sometimes. You just get blown off the park late in halves and uh, I think the Roosters, however, despite that 20-point l- loss, they can look at that game and go, well, we're heading in the right direction because I think their season is improving. Um Tedesco in outstanding form, but I think Walker and Kiri have been better these past few weeks. Their forward pack, as I mentioned, they ain't up against the Panthers, but overall they just started to get tired and they didn't have the troops to really cover it. And Penrith have one of the best bench rotations in the in the comp, and I just don't know if if the Roosters could match that. So, um, you know, they're versing a Cronulla team that, as I mentioned, they haven't been great over the past few weeks. I thought that it was a bit of a bludger in the first half against the uh, the Titans. They started scoring some points late, but I don't think they were outstanding. I think they were very poor the week before against Canberra, but the big thing for the Sharks is they're boosted by the return of Will Kennedy, and I think he's, he's, he makes a huge difference to this club. I think that he really um, helps defensively at yeah, the back there. I think that um, you know he puts the pressure off Johnson and Moylan in attack, and uh, not Johnson, sorry, I'm going back to 2021. Nico Hines and Moylan with the with the footy in hand that he have an extra extra option at the back in Will Kennedy who could, comes in and plays like a playmaker when Cronulla are attacking the line and um, you know I think that he gets quality ball out to the edges guys like Tracy and Talagai get a little bit more time to do their work and Talakai hasn't been as effective this past month since that huge game against Manly, but I think the key to that is Will Kennedy and I think that we've seen it over the past few weeks without him they haven't looked anywhere near as dangerous so him coming back to a massive boost I also think their forwards are playing good the loss of Rudolph Hunt Graham McInnes Nakora now Graham has had a hit or miss return to the NRL but the rest of them I think they're in tremendous form and T. Wooden coming off the bench adds a bit of spark for them so I think Cronulla are going to be better this week I think they're going to be up for the challenge against the Roosters and really it's a toss of the coin game the Roosters that, that combination is still not quite there between Walker and Keery. It is getting better. It still needs time to develop. But I think where this game is going to be won is via the forward pack. It's going to be a big battle up front. And we can even see the likes of Hargraves, who, you know, controversially got sinned in last week. He's playing some good football. Collins is getting back to his best. I think Angus Crichton's had his best month that he's had, uh, best month of footy that he's had this season. So. You know, I, and and that Butcher is just a workhorse in this Roosters side. I think it's going to be a tough game, and you know, Nico Hines, he's a difference maker, but so is Tedesco. So it's going to be interesting how those two match up in terms of um, helping their team in the key moment. But I think in the key moments, but I think this is definitely one of these games that will come down to the wire. I think the Roosters are actually specials to upset them because, as I mentioned, I just don't think it's all like. They're playing good football over this season. They have to Cronulla, but I just don't think at the moment it's all kind of linking up and all gelling like it should there. And I think that Fanukin's such a big loss for that forward pack, who I mentioned. They're playing good football, but Fanukin just adds another element, doesn't he, when he comes back into this team. So I'm going to go to the Roosters a bit of an upset. I got the Roosters by six points, but I think it's going to be a, a tight game all around. I just think the Roosters are on the up at the moment. I think they're getting confidence, and I think despite a 20-point loss to Penrith, they gained some real valuable confidence to know that they're going into the right direction, and they're a near 
is they know how good the benchmark can be. They know where they have to get to by finals time, and I think they can improve and get there potentially and save their season. I'm not ruling out the Roosters of this competition. So I've got the Roosters by six points. I think Cronulla are going to be up for the fight, but I think the Roosters um, win it in the last 10 minutes. All right, Sunday afternoon football now, and the action continues when the Canterbury Bulldogs versus the St. George Illawarra Dragons from Belmore Sports Ground up there in Sydney, back of their spiritual home in Belmore. And... Man, the Bulldogs need a boost at the moment. Mick Potter had his first game as interim coach, caretaker coach, so to speak, last weekend against the Tigers, and they were down and out, 18-0. They had a late comeback in the second half, but overall, they it was another disappoint, disappointing performance by the Bulldogs. They didn't string an 80-minute performance together, and there's only so much Matt Burden can do, because I think he lifted that Bulldogs team in the second half. He was tremendous. Try, try assist. Um, ran for many metres, set up players in gaps, he was everywhere the rest of this team really has to rally around him because they're versing a Dragons team <coughs> excuse me, they're versing a Dragons team that against the Warriors again a little bit like they have been all season, they were consistently great, there were some drop balls and errors there but overall I think it was a step in the right direction, Cody Reams he was fantastic at fullback and I mentioned, I don't know if it's going to be his full-time position. I don't know if it should be his full-time position, but I think he did a good job there, better than what Mboy had been doing there. I think Mboy worked much better in the hooker position, and Ben Hunt has really led this team around the park pretty well this season. Um, Jack Bird re-signing is a big boost for this St. George Oil club, and you know this might, on paper, appear to be a bit of a bludger game, but I think the Bulldogs will aim up for it because I think that they'll believe, especially with their good record over St. George, that this is a winnable game for them. And St. George, on the other hand, will recognise that if they win this game, they could potentially sneak into the top eight by the end of the round 12. So it's a massive game, especially for St. George. Um, obviously, the Bulldogs want to get some pressure off them as well, but for St. George, this is their chance to go 50% for the season and make a run for the finals in the second half of the year. So, you know, expect them to be up for this game. Their forward pack's going to have to be good because if there's one thing that the Bulldogs um, do, it's it's defend well, especially at the start of the games. They, they can drop off late in halves, but I think the likes of Vaughan against his old club, Luke Thompson and Josh Daxon, are going to be up for the fight against this big Dragons forward pack. So I'm excited to see that contest. I think the Dragons have more points in them. You know the Bulldogs can only score two or three tries in the best of the days, and they like to grind out their opponents when they win contests. I don't think the Dragons have a huge amount of points in the meter, but I think that if they can start playing their free-flow footy and, and Moan can get some space to run, Ramsey can get involved out the back, and their big centres, Suli, was enormous last week, over 200 metres. If they can get some quality ball out there, I think they can really test... Um, the Bulldogs, especially at wide on the edge defence, where they've got some young guys like Avarillo, Shoup, and, and Karaz. I think that's the area where the Dragons can expose, and I think that's where they can score some points. And, you know, as I mentioned, the Dragons teams are working progress at the moment, but I think they are slowly improving, and they're getting into finals contention, and this win could propel them into the top eight, because I do have them winning this game. I've got them winning by 10 points. Um, don't know if it's going to be the highest quality match, but I think the Dragons are going to aim up here, and you know, especially on top of their defence, which I think Anthony Griffin uh, has been at the centre of improving over the past few weeks. Um, they've been better in that regard. That it's got to be better with ball handling, um, a little bit like South Sydney, who had the worst completion rate in the competition. The Dragons seem to give up a lot of a lot of ball, and I think they've got to be better um, 
if they're going to challenge these top eight teams, but I think this is going to be a bit of a confidence booster for them this week against the Bulldogs. Which leads us to the last game of the round, and it's the Canberra Raiders hosting the Parramatta Eels from Geo Stadium at their home down there in Canberra, and it's going to be a big homecoming for the Raiders. Papali just got off his 250 game, but more importantly, they've won a few in a row now. I think it's three victories in a row for Canberra. They've turned their season around, and... You know, they find themselves five wins and six losses, like a lot of these teams battling for that top eight. And, you know, their forward pack's really stepped up this sea, uh, this last month. I think that the shackles have been kind of taken off them and the loss of Wyden and Schneider have been able to roam a little bit more and play a little bit more of a, um, you know, more of free-flowing football in terms of they can get a little bit more creative and don't have to follow the game plan. Um, you know, precisely, and I think that's where the Raiders really shine when they have these individuals that can create space. I think Starling's been really good um, coming off the bench for them, and you know, whether he's coming off the bench or starting, I think that he's been good. Zach Wolford's been a, a promising line, and a huge inclusion this week for Canberra because they welcome back Jamil Fogarty, who's going to be like his first game for the club. Um, that's a massive boost um, coming back in, especially when he was considered to be their key signing to start the year. Now, Xavier Savage is going to start this game at fullback due to Charles Little Hodstad being out of the side, but I think that the Raiders are playing a really good brand of football at the moment. Seattle were poor last week, but the Raiders didn't let them be good. They just destroyed them up the middle, gave space to their outside backs who did the rest. So um, it's a simple game plan, but it's one that's really working for Canberra at the moment. And they're coming up against the Parramatta Eels side that got the win late over Manly, but let's be honest, they've had a hot and cold season. They're the only team to beat both the Storm and Penrith this year, but then they lose games they should win, so you just never know with Parramatta what they're going to dish out. Um, you know, they were probably lucky to get away with the win last week, especially um, with all the issues Manly had at the end of the game, especially with their star fullback, Tom Shroyevich, going down, uh, and as soon as he went off the field, you could just see the confidence levels dropped a little bit there for Manly, and Parramatta end up getting over the line, but I think Brad Arthur knows that they're going to be up for the big games, but the challenge for him is to get Parramatta up for these other games. And I think this is a big game, and I don't think Parramatta should underestimate Canberra because the Canberra that I've seen over the past few weeks is the Canberra that we should see all the time. And I think Ricky's got a plan that's working at the moment. They also get Jared Kroger back this week, the Raiders. I didn't mention that. I just think it, all signs are pointing this week to a massive boil over, a massive Canberra Raiders upset. And I can honestly see it coming because, you know, Parramatta, as I mentioned, they're so hot and cold and they don't get up for some of these games that you never know what Parramatta Eels side you're going to get. And I expect big performance from Campbell Gillard and Paulo, especially of Origin over the around the corner. And I think Paulo's pretty much locked his position down. But Regal Campbell Gillard, if he wants to get back to that arena, I think he needs a big performance against Josh Papalihi, who, you know, could find himself back in the Origin team again this season. Um... So it's almost like a trial by fire for him. Parramatta also have, in my opinion, a bit stronger bench there with Madison and Nathan Brown and uh, Makatoa coming into the team. But I just think that Canberra, in front of their home crowd, it's a 4 o'clock game on a Sunday. It's going to be a, a, a lot of points in this game, I feel. Uh, it's going to be some free-throwing footy, but I think that Raiders can cause a massive upset, a massive boiler here. And I've got Canberra by eight points to beat Parramatta because... Until Parramatta start being more consistent and we know how good they can be, hell, I predicted them to make the grand final this year and I think it's an absolute failure if they don't make the grand final this year. They've got to start playing more consistent footy and I think that the Raiders are playing with so much confidence at the moment that it could be a little bit of a uh, 
of an ambush there in Canberra and, and I expect Canberra to come out strong and I don't know if Parramatta are going to be able to hold out these big Canberra forwards with how much confidence they're playing with at the moment. So I've got Canberra by eight. All right, I'm going to name my State of Origin sides momentarily, but obviously those are my tips for round 12. I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast this far. Just to recap my tips, I've got the Storm beating Manly on Thursday night, the Friday night games. We've got Penrith beating a valiant Cowboys side. The Broncos being too strong for the Titans. Super Saturday, I've gone the Knights against the New Zealand Warriors, and a little bit of an upset there. I've gone the South Sydney Rabbitohs bouncing back against the Tigers. The Roosters upsetting the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, on the Saturday games, uh, sorry, Sunday games, I've got the Dragons beating the Bulldogs and the Raiders causing a big upset against the Parramatta Eels. All right, moving over to my best bets now. And, you know, it's been a tough week in terms of, uh, a tough couple of weeks in terms of my tips. So I'm hoping to get back in the positive this week. And I think that Brisbane at forty, great value against Gold Coast. I think you immediately got to put that in your bet slip. If they're giving forty, you take it. You put it with something else and you really start your week, start your mouldy. St. George at $1.53 against the Bulldogs. I think that's easy money as well. Um, and just looking at the rest of these games, I think that if we look and have a see what Canberra start is, it's four and a half. I like Canberra head-to-head at, at 260, but whether you like it or not, up to you guys. I think you can put just put Penrith against the, the Cowboys uh, in that as well. So if you go Brisbane to beat the Titans, the Dragons beat the Bulldogs and Penrith to the Cowboys, you're getting $2.67. It might not be tremendous odds, but I think all those three are the teams that I'm very confident will win their games this week. So I'll be back in that if I was you guys. All right, that was Steve's better of the week. Moving over to Supercoach now. And, I mean, with all those players, if you're a team like me and Tommy Tvorovic is out for the season, you've got a big trade to make ahead of you. And whether it's shifting Nico Hines back to the fullback if you've gotten or bringing in Nico Hines if you don't have him, I think that Hines is a must somewhere there. I like the form Adam Reynolds, but he hasn't been named this week. So it's a tough ask what you do there. But I think the buy of the week, Jacob Caraz for the Bulldog. His third game is 175K. He's going to make about 100K this week. Um... He's taken Jaden Lockenball's spot, so I think he's a, a must-have there in the center wing position um, for your super coach team. So I hope you guys aren't running out of trades like I am, but I think he, he he's a really good buy. I also think Mitch Barnett from the Knights has bottomed down in price with his minus score. He's down to 440k. If you need a borderline mid-ranger there in that second row position, I think Barnett could be your answer. So um, that's what I think there. All right, so... With that out of the way, round 12 out of the way, let me name my State of Origin teams for 2022. And it'll end the podcast. I hope you enjoy your footy this weekend. But And hopefully we can get a perfect round. We'll be back with that all-star cast next week. But just to name my State of Origin teams that I think should, might not necessarily will, but should be named for game one. I'll start with Queensland. And at fullback, I've gone Kalen Ponga. My wingers that I'd be naming would be Selwyn Cobbo and Xavier Coates. My centers, Dane Gagai, Valentine Holmes. My halves, Henry Munster, Daly Sherry Evans. My props are Jai Arrow, Josh Papali. Harry Grant is my hooker. My second row is Felice Cafusi, Kurt Capewell. My lock is Big Tino for Silla Malali. On the bench, Ben Hunt, Patrick Carrigan, Mo Fodawaker. And Ruben Cotter. My 18th man will be AJ Primson. My 19th man would be Corey Oates. I think that is an outstanding Queensland lineup. I think it's the best we've seen in a number of seasons. And I think that that team 
is more than capable of upsetting New South Wales and taking this series. I'm a Blues fan at heart, but that is a side, a Queensland side of paper that worries me. All right, moving over to New South Wales now. The team that I'll name um, on Sunday when Brad Fittler names his team, which there's so many options here for the Blues, and they're in such an injury crisis. I'll name Tedesco at fullback. I'd go Brian Toho and Josh Adokar on the wings. I'd go Matt Burden and and Campbell Graham as my centres. And I know the talk around the town is that Stephen Croydon and Katoni Stags will be named there. I think Croydon probably deserves an opportunity, but I like the fa- X factor that Matt Burden brings. I think the defence and the uh, competitive- competitiveness that Campbell Graham is beyond, uh, that he brings to every game is beyond um, any other centre that he's competing against. I think he's an outstanding player. I get really worried against Katoni Stags' defence. But I'd be happy with a combination of any of Burden, Graham, and Stephen Crichton. I'll back anyone that wears the blue jersey. But Staggs, he's, he's a bit hot and cold at times. I know he's in good form at the moment. But I think that another year or two under his belt, then he might be ready for origin. But I don't know if he's ready now, to be honest with us. All right. Um, so I said Toe and Adokar, the wings. Burden and Graham are the centers. I've gone Luai and Cleary as my halves. Jay Trojevic and Payne Huss as my starting props, I think. Jake Shorovich has started at prop uh, a number of times there for Queen uh, for New South Wales in the past, and I think that you know he does a lot of work at the middle, and I think that just like Paul Gallon when he played prop, that he's invaluable with the middle of the field to start an Origin. Um, in the second rows, I've gone Tyson Frizzell and Cam Murray, and I think that Frizzell coming back in the team will add a lot of experience, a lot of grunt up front. I think he's a good pick. I don't know if he will get picked, but I like Tyson Frizzell there. Isaiah Yo, of course, is the uh, lock. And on the bench, I've gone Jack Wyden, Junior Paulo, Angus Crichton, and Liam Martin. So that is my 17. My 18th man would be Keon Kaloa Matangi, and my 19th man would be Nico Hines. The reason I'm picking Wyden over Hines is the utility. I just think Wyden... His defence is made for origin. I think he covers a lot more position. Nico Hines is in career best form. I wouldn't be mad at all to see him in the 17. But I think that Brad Fittler likes Louisby, likes Jack Wyden. I think we'll see him lined up as the bench utility. All right, well, that is my state of origin sides. As I mentioned, next week, all-star panel coming your way. Uh, Matt Cosru, Matt Dupont, Josh Duncan, maybe some more guests as we cover both round 13 and then preview state of origin. We'll see you next week. For Steve's NRL footy tips, let's hope we get another perfect round to get back on track for season 2022.